This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to The Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today you can see on the screen here, if you're watching this, man, I've got Ricky Williams. Ricky, how you doing? Doing great. Thank you. Uh, it's good to have you, man. So yeah. you're coming from Venice Beach, California. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How's it going? It's a little gloomy here. We're just outside of St. Louis right now. How's it in Venice Beach, California? You know, it, it's it's kind of gloomy. It's kind of gloomy. You kinda know, kind of close to the water. So we get uh, what's called the marine layer sometimes, but it usually blows over uh, around 11, 1130, 12 o'clock. Nice. Very nice. Well, man, you are the 1998 Heisman Trophy winner. You were the fifth pick in the 1999 NFL draft to the Saints. Anybody that follows football knows there was, I think they basically moved mountains to get you picked, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah. <laughs> it was a big deal. It was a big deal. Yeah. So what was that like, man, when you saw that happening? You know, it, it's from the outside, right? It was great, but my, my, you know, subjective experience, it was, it was one of the, you know, most challenging, difficult days in my life. You know, I, I had, um, <laughs> I had certain expectations of what I thought that, you know, that whole draft experience would be and really expectations of about what my NFL experience would be. And they were way off. Uh, you know, I, I think the first thing going into that day, I really wanted to be the first pick. That was, that was important to me. I, th I thought I had, you know, shown the NFL that I was, that I was worth it. And the Cleveland Browns were an expansion team coming back into the NFL that year. And I just thought, you know, my running style and, and uh, my personality was really a good fit for, uh, for the Browns. You know, I, I found when I went to Texas, the fact that there was a rich football tradition at Texas really bolstered me. And I felt supported by that. And I, I felt, you know, James, I mean, uh, yeah, Jim Brown, one of my, yeah. uh, one of my football. Legend. Yeah, exactly. That tradition. And I, I just knew if I ended up in Cleveland, you know, I'd be able to feed off of that. And so when I, I wasn't the first pick and I didn't go to Cleveland, you know, my days kind of got off to a rough start. And then, uh, you know, a couple of picks later, uh, I wasn't even the first running back taken. And that was, that was tough. And so then when it got Who to New was Orleans, the first running back, Edger and James, who's go, who went into the Hall of Fame this, this past year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was, it was, it was a really good pick. <laughs> uh, and, and so I ended up going to, to the Saints and Mike Dick had made the big, the big trade. And I think I was still reeling from slipping all the way to the fifth pick. Um, and it was, it was tough. Cause I, again, mainly because I had this idea, this vision of what I wanted. And then when I didn't get my way, you know, it kind of turned into a two year old. <laughs> so what did you learn from that, man? And I want to get into your upbringing as well, but I mean, what did you learn from that? In your words, you said you turned into a two-year-old. 
What, what was that? Do you think that was immaturity? Was it just, I mean, I guess I'll let you answer. What was that? <laughs> well, you know, I, I was, I was 21. So of course I, you know, there's always immaturity when we're, when we're young, I think that's the definition of being young. Um, but, but, you know, looking at it a little bit um, deeper and with reflection, with a little bit of wisdom, it was, it was information, you know, it was information that, you know, and, and I knew this, right. I knew this as a, as a kid, as a teenager, I knew that I wanted to be a college football player. I didn't really have aspirations of being an NFL football player. Um, but I just had such a successful college career that I just said, oh, I guess this is the next logical step. And so I, I went into the NFL. But as I went into the NFL, all of the signs from day one, all of the signs were saying, don't do this. Don't do this. This is not good for you. But I ignored all of those. And I said, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I pushed through all of that. And so what I learned to is, is listen to my heart, regardless of what the world is saying, you know, that, that I have to listen to my heart. Yeah. And that's what I was most fascinated about doing my research on you is and, and here's this guy that literally all signs show could arguably be one of the greatest running backs ever, but you literally did follow your heart, right. And got away from something and followed other passions in your life. And I was blown away by that. I thought that was really, really cool actually to think because the outside world would say, Oh my gosh, I'm going to make all this money. I'm going to be this football player. I'm going to be you know future hall of famer, all this stuff. But yeah, you chose your passions over that. So talk to me about that. Well, I think, you know, it's interesting. I, well, I think you think of greatness, you know, and I think there's, there's, two kinds of greatness, you know, and one is that greatness where it's our natural, you know, talents and abilities, things that were just naturally, they're easy for us. Right. And so it's easy to be successful and receive a lot of uh, rewards for those things. But in that area, typically we don't really grow or develop much, right. Because there's, it's not challenging for us. And I think there's, you know, the, the other kind is where we're challenged and through that, you know, the difficulties, our skills are developed and honed and sharpened, and, and we move towards uh, a certain level of mastery and proficiency. And I think, you know, that's more dynamic kind of a kind of greatness. And I, I think I, I recognize, you know, that football was, was that first kind that it was great. And I received all, but it was stagnant, you know, there wasn't growth and development in my life. It just kept me stuck. And I realized that I had other, you know, areas of greatness to pursue that would be more dynamic and more fulfilling for me. Um, and when I recognized that it was difficult to ignore it and I, I moved in that direction. And you said difficult to ignore it. I got to assume it was difficult to do it too, right? Well, not. Uh, you know, well, well I, this, this, I, this, this word difficult, right? And, and it's, it's fascinating because most people, unfortunately, have a negative attitude about difficulties. But as a football player, my training was to attack difficulties head on with the smile on my face. And so, um, and in, in, with that training, any time in my life where I could see a difficulty and, and I got excited about it. And so, yes, it was difficult, but it was exciting. It was exhilarating. It was, you know, it, it nourished me. It fed me. Yeah, probably it just felt right. Did, did you worry about what the media and what the fans, what people would say? Did that, did that bother you internally at all? Well, you know, I, again, I, I, 
you know, I'm a sensitive guy. And so, of course, it bothered me. But but, I, you know, I, I think the question is, you know, things bother us. But do we allow the bother to to take us off off course? And so it bothered me, but it didn't bother me enough where I wasn't going to, you know, listen to myself and, and trust myself. Yeah, that's good. So talk to us about your upbringing, man. So you where did, where did you grow up? I grew up in San Diego. Grew up in San Diego, so a Southern California boy. When did yep. you know you were different when you were when you were holding that football, man? When did you know you were different? Uh the tenth grade. It was the tenth grade. And what was that moment like for you? Why'd you know you were different? We, we were playing um we were playing Kearney, which is uh, uh, high school in San Diego. And I was a sophomore. And at the time in San Diego, you couldn't play varsity football in California. You couldn't play varsity football unless you were 15. And so I, so a sophomore was really, sophomore year was really the first time that you could play varsity. So I was a sophomore on the varsity team and I was playing, I was a fullback. And we were playing Kearney, who that year was really good, ended up going pretty, pretty far in the playoffs. And I ended up having like eight carries for like a hundred and, 40 yards or something. And, and, you know, <laughs> it just kind of surprised me, you know, like I, I knew I was a pretty good football player and I, you know, I had good games, but as a sophomore to, to perform like that against a, a, a team like that, it, you know, it gave me a, a level of confidence and I, and, and I knew there was something. And I remember um, that same year, you know, we were, we were in a game and I was playing fullback and I got the ball and I was running and people just kept bouncing off of me. And, and I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't know that I was like doing anything, you know, I just recognized that. Okay. You know, I, I have a, I have some kind of talent here. That's amazing. You know, but, but I think what people, you know, don't always appreciate is, is I think my greatest talent is my um, pursuit of perfection. Um, and, and, you know, that it was, it was, I enjoyed the process of getting better, of looking at the mistakes that I made and, and, and learning, okay, you know, how can I look at this differently? How can I change, you know, my, my perspective or what can I work on so that I don't make this mistake ever again? The Texas tornado. And that what they called you, man? You had people bouncing off of you, just blowing up storms through people. Yeah, that was, I mean, it, it wasn't, it became a nickname, but it was really just a, a cover, uh, a cover of Sports Illustrated that, yeah. that they came up with, but That's kind cool. of, yeah. So when you say I had the, the kind of the mindset of perfection, I mean, so whether you were playing football or today in business, I mean, what, how does that play out for you? When you're, when you think about our listeners right now, they're, they're exercising, they're driving down the road. What is that process like for you? That process is, um, it's rooted in humility. Uh, it's really in humility. It's rooted in humility. And, you know, after a, a day, after a situation, after a meeting, after a podcast, you know, to always take a minute and to reflect, you know, how do like, how do I feel about that? You know, and, 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 you know, the things that I feel good about, I'm like, yeah, that felt, that felt nice. And the things where I was like, I, you know, I, I could have been more honest, you know, I, I could have revealed more or, you know, I missed something or I held some, but just thinking about it and just taking a note and saying, okay, all right, that's something, you know, something to take note of. And then if I see patterns and say, okay, maybe this is something I need to work on. And then, you know, in my, I'm talking to my analyst once a week, I'll bring it up and we'll talk about it and I'll be able to look at it. Um, so it's just, it's just, when I say perfection, it's just really about wholeness and about wanting to be as authentic, um, as I, as I can. I, I mean, I'm, I love that. And I think 
so what I'm hearing is when you get done with this, like we, we hit end, we get off, you will actually slow down enough instead of rushing to the next thing and think about what could I have done better? What could I have done different? Where could I have been more transparent, more vulnerable? That's the stuff you'll actually do after this meeting. Well, the thing that I, that I noticed about myself is even if I didn't take a moment, it would haunt me the rest of the day. And so I find, you know, for me, it's just nice to just take a moment and, and to reflect. But, but in that process, it almost becomes natural. So it becomes like in the moment, like where if I say something and it doesn't feel authentic, I'll just stop and say, hey, wait a minute, you know? Where it's so it's really a mind it's really a mindset you know like it's programming the habit of being mindful. Yeah, but I think it's so critical to think about that. I mean, that's a huge aha for me because what can we do? We easily go like this, right? I do this. I now grab my phone. I'm checking emails. I'm doing all sorts of stuff, right? And, and I'm not doing what you're talking about. The mindfulness. It's always hurrying up and getting in the next thing. And for me, that's a huge aha to slow down learn from what just happened and then don't let it continue to repeat itself. And when you said yeah. aimless earlier, is that a coach? Is that basically like a coach? Well, no, you know, no, it's, it's, she's really just someone that I like feel safe to like talk about stuff that I don't feel safe talking to other people about, you okay. know, <laughs> you know, cause to, to me, it, it, this idea of like growth and, and, you know, moving towards perfection, this, it's really about wholeness and wholeness means, all of me, right? The parts that I'm comfortable about, the parts that I'm uncomfortable, right? Allowing all of them to the party. And I find that, you know, sometimes, you know, it's easy to, I'm getting better at it, but, you know, levels of vulnerability, right? And so I find that as I work on myself, there's, there's levels that are so raw that they're not ready to be shared with everyone else. And so having a safe place to, to work on, to look at those parts of myself and to try to understand those parts of myself, um, you know, that that's that's the the purpose of that relationship was was that part of you when you were playing football because you know as a man as a football player you know especially when we were growing up it's not cool to be vulnerable and transparent because it could become across weak and then here you are as this football player that literally blows through people but yet you have these feelings right and a guy to talk about their feelings well, here's the thing. Yes, that, that's the training, but the, that training doesn't make the feelings go away. And so whether we, you know, whether we were conscious of it or not, the feelings are, are there. And I find when I was not conscious of it and being a guy, a football player, my life was like, was horrible, you know, like on the outside, it was great, but emotionally it was like, the quality of it sucked. And so I started to realize that if I want the quality of my life to improve, I have to start to like, learn what to do with these feelings. And, and, and that's when I started um, in, in, in therapy where I had someone to actually talk to so I could get a sense of, okay, what are these feelings? Cause I think for a lot of guys, we bury them so deeply that they're, you know, that they're like a two-year-old. And so when they do come out, we, we're immature and we do things that we're not proud of. And so we just push them back down. And so again, having a safe place to, to get in touch with those parts of ourselves, I think is, is so valuable. Did your family teach you that at a young age? Like, did you grow up with that saying, Hey, you know, Ricky, it's okay to talk about your feelings, buddy. You know, you're eight years old. I mean, was that, did they embrace that? Um, well, I think culturally, I think I have the African-American culture. I think that's kind of, you know, that's kind of a stereotype, but it, it, there's some truth there is that, you know, we are more there in our culture. We are more allowed to feel it's, it's not so taboo. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. 
Um, so talk to us about the, the stuff, what you learned and, and we won't dive into all the stuff, but the, the stuff you learned from, uh, the, the football, maybe the mistakes you made, how those made you a better man today, because your mistakes are way more public than say, if I make a mistake, right. You're on the front page. No, of the, so of the when, newspaper. You, when, we, when you say mis- mistake, what's, what, how are you defining mistake? That's, that's a great point. Uh, so in my notes, I, you know, I didn't know if we'd bring it up, but you know, like, so in 2004, you, you serve a four game suspension and you know, you retired, right? So on the outside, somebody may say that's a mistake, but I think what I've learned about studying you is what he's laughing. He's either going to run through this computer and tackle me, or he's going to turn off the podcast. No, this is, this is great stuff. I'm laughing because this is good stuff. Yeah. All right, good. So, and I just want to dive into this stuff, man, because I, I love talking about the the circuit of success, excuse me, the circuit of success. It's not a straight line, man. There are hiccups along the way. There's the entrepreneurial roller coaster, as we know, as business owners, right? There's good days. There's bad days. Yeah. Here's on the front page of magazines, mine or not. Yeah. So I'll shut up and you can talk, but well, again, though, like to, to me, the, the beauty of it is, is, the fact that my quote unquote mistakes are on the front page is I'm in, I'm in a position where I get to, to help people realize that what they believe about the myths about mistakes are all BS, right? That it's not, it's not real, right? Just buying into the, and it's useful to think that, yes, we learn from our mistakes to a certain extent, but the, but the truth is you, you don't, you don't know the choices you make in the way the world reacts to it. You don't know that it's a mistake. Like to me, that I believed it, but it didn't check out. All the things that were mistakes were things that led me to having a more fulfilling, exciting mm. life. And so, the, it did, when when I tried to check and say if these are mistakes, then I, maybe the word doesn't mean what I what I <laughs> what I think it means. And so, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think you know, to really live a fulfilling life and all of the things we go through, they're trying to, to tune us into ourselves and to believe in ourselves and to know that if you, if you believe in yourself and you keep an open mind, you'll be fine, right? You'll be better than fine. And I think all of the mistakes are trying to say, stop trying to do it the way you were told to do it, right? That there's a different way to do it. And if you wake up to that, you know, your, your life becomes, becomes better, such a great answer. Such a great answer. So uh, we talk about this in a lot of these shows is the fears we put in our minds and fear again can mean different things to different people. Right. And it can drive people. It can hold people back. But how many of the fears that you maybe put in your mind actually blew up to the magnitude you put them in your mind to be? All of them. <laughs> they did. I want to talk about this, man, because you're the only guy that's ever said that of 240 or 235, whatever it is, episodes. Everybody usually says none of them, but now you're saying all of them. I'm anxious to hear that. Yeah. So, so what I found is, is fears, right. You know, one one of the things that I've learned and I, and I truly believe this, and I think it's a valuable insight is that thoughts are things. Okay. (laughs) Thoughts are things. Okay. And so when we have a fear, right. What, regardless if it's justified, whatever, whatever, just the idea of a fear, that fear becomes a thing in your life. Okay right? That you're always in relationship with. Okay. And so when I say that it always shows up is because the, the, the energy of that fear exists in, in our life and it, and it directs the choices we make. 
Okay. And so uh, what I'm talking about more is this idea of our self-fulfilling prophecies, right? That all of the things that come in and stop us and block us, they are the creation of our fears. <laughs> That's deep thoughts of Ricky Williams right here, man. I love it. So what, what are you, what are you, when you, when you hear me say visualization or your vision, what do you think about and do you have this well thought out plan of what, you know, the next five and 10 years looks like for Ricky Williams? Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't. My, my idea of, um, a vision is, is just that it's what you see, right? It's what you, it's what you see. And I think you can look into the future and with vision and you can see a certain future and, so I'll give an example. So I did a I did a reality show, um, Celebrity Apprentice, but it was with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, not with Donald Trump. And one of our one of our tasks was to um, we had to do a commercial for a barbecue sauce company. All right, and I, I wasn't the person in charge. I was just on the team, and we we're sitting around on the table, and we were thinking of okay, what can we do, right? And it's it's a tense environment because you have to come up with an idea and like we had to shoot a commercial in like five hours okay and, and so i'm sitting there and i'm like trying to think okay what can i do what can i do and i just sat there and took a deep breath and then like a whole the whole image the whole idea of the commercial just just popped into my mind okay to me that's that's vision okay <laughs> that's vision and then the the idea of the plan of how to execute that's the plan right but the, but to me the the vision is is where you see you see the possibility of what can show up and then the plan is okay what how do I put this into manifestation and so I've seen yes I've seen a vision of where my life is is headed and now the process is is putting the people together and and executing on that vision yeah and that's what I was going to ask so how do, how do you do that right so how do you execute on this vision? Is it, is it goal planning? Is it strategy work that you're doing? Is it just taking action and showing up every day and getting to work? It's, it's show, it's really showing up, you know, it, it's, it's showing up. So the, the same way, the, the same way the vision comes, the vision has a, has a quality, right? It has a quality and it's about as a, you know, especially as a leader, as we move forward, recognizing, you know, who, what, opportunities, people match the quality of that vision. Right. Yep. And so kind of like a conductor, you know, putting the pieces together and, and keeping them and keeping them, you know, moving in, in harmony yeah. to help to make sure that, you know, everything stays on course and moving in the direction of that vision. So what would you tell yourself if you could give uh, Ricky Williams advice 10 years ago, what would you tell that guy? 10 years ago. 2011. Huh. Um, I would say, I would say you're on the right track. Keep up the good work. So I, I, Cause you know, I think by that time I was starting to figure things out yep. and really, I think the best advice we can get when, when, when we started to figure out is encouragement that like, keep on, stay on the path, you know, because when we start to figure things out, what we realize is our unique path is our unique path. Okay. Yep. And we need encouragement not to follow a certain path, but we need encouragement to, to trust ourselves and to follow our unique path. Yep. And how do you do that though? Because you go from, Hey, I'm going to be a football player. And, and again, I'm, I'm using air quotes here. If you're just listening that it's, 
I can make all this money, but yet it's not making you happy inside. So therefore I'm going to go follow this dream. But what if that dream doesn't work financially? What happens, right? You have people listening right now. They've got spouses and kids and houses and different things that they got to worry about. So maybe holding them back from following their dream. So this is what I was talking about, about the fear, right? That, cause what you just, what you just brought up isn't a reality. It's just a fear. Hmm. So, so, you know, so what it's, it's a fear. You have to deal with that. You have to deal with that fear, but to avoid making a choice because of that fear, I think that's, that's the sin, but the fear is there. Look at it. Deal, answer the question. Okay. So what, so what, right? Cause I, I think ultimately, right. What fear is, is trying to allow us to do is learn courage, right. Is in part of courage is, creativity, right? I have the ability that whatever life throws at me, I have the ability to figure it out. And with that kind of confidence, then we can deal with the fears. But if we don't have that confidence and the fears just make us not deal with things. Yeah. When you hear me say the word anxiety, what comes to mind with that word? Life, right? Life. <laughs> life creates anxiety. That, that life create that life creates anxiety, and I think you know to to truly incarnate and to be alive is you have to learn to to deal with anxiety. You have to learn to to deal with it, not to avoid it, not to 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 numb yourself to it. You have to learn to use it. Did it hold you back at all? It held me back. Hell yeah, it held me back. <laughs> so, <Hell> yeah. <laughs> It, it, it did because I, I allowed anxiety to be something that was a negative thing instead of listening to it. Right. It's like I said, to me, the anxiety was telling me, you don't belong here. Get out of here. This isn't good for you. But I said, no, I'm supposed to be a football player. And I ignored it and I kept pushing through. Um, so you'd hear that inner voice telling you, you don't belong here in the NFL. This is not where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a couple of times I let it seep in, but it was too, I was, it was too scary. Cause if I was like, if I'm not a football player, then, you know, yeah. what yeah. am I? You are right. <laughs> that was scary. Yeah. yeah. I invested so much. I had invested so much into being a football player. There was a, there was a void there. There's a big void there. Yeah. And that's what I think too, is like, how do you overcome that? The people that, you know, hear me talk about anxieties all the time on this show is how do you battle through it? And how do you, how do you overcome it? I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's battle through it. I think it's listen to it. You know, I think that the, the, the battle through it is the problem. I think it's listen to it. The anxiety it's, it's not there because it's something bad It's there because it's trying to tell you something. Hmm. So walk me through that. I love this, by the way. Um, so, so instead of battling through it, and it'll be fine and have your self-talk, whatever it may be that people get through it, you sit there and feel the anxiety, listen to it, then what? Well, so I, I mentioned, you know, it's important to have someone that you feel safe enough to share the anxiety with, right? Yeah. Because again, it's, it's just information, but it's, it's internal and it's so subjective. It just scares us. We can't get a, we can't get a bearing on it, but if there's someone that we feel comfortable and safe enough to share that with, then we can look at it and we can be like, Oh, right. Cause it, what I'm saying it's information, but if we buy the idea that this is bad or this is wrong, or I shouldn't feel like this, then we lose access to that information. And so the information has to try to find it, 
another way to get in. And so the anxiety gets better. It doesn't get worse. Yep. So what's Ricky Williams up to today, man? What are you, what's, what's life like today? It's busy. Goodness gracious. So, um, you know, (laughs) um, I'm, I'm into, I'm into doing it, you know, a lot of, a lot of things. They're all related. Um, you know, I have my own podcast. I am a professional astrologer. And so, I do a couple of readings a day. Um, I'm the CEO of a relationship app. And so, you know, startup world is crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm a father and, and a husband and thank goodness, you know, my wife is my partner in all my businesses. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. So, so what are you, what are you most excited about in the future? If we were to reconnect, you know, a year from now, three years from now, and you said, man, this happened, Ricky, what is it? And, uh, what's it, what's it like? It's uh it's Lila. It's the relationship app that I'm working on. Lila L E L I L A L I L A. All right. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mentioned that I'm a professional, oh, I'm a professional going on out here. Sorry. If you can hear all that. Yeah. I mentioned I'm a professional astrologer. Um, and, uh, when I met my wife, we started studying astrology together and we started to use it in, in our relationship. And it was it was just really incredible how it helped us navigate, um, you know, relationships. Right. And, and, and it's really helped us build a, a very powerful relationship. And so um, we took was a relationship in the playing days. Sorry to interrupt. No, no. I, I met, met. Yeah, this is post playing days. OK. Um, and so we took a relationship astrology class with my teacher, Stephen Forrest, and it just blew us away. It, just, it blew us away. And so we went up to our uh, teacher, Stephen, and we said, hey, we got to find a way to get this information out to the world. And he said, I agree. And so we decided to create this app. And so it's, a, it's an app that allows people to use astrological insights to understand themselves better uh, and also to understand the people in their lives, whether romantic partners, friends, children, parents. Um, yeah, because I, I found, you know, that ups and downs, everything in my life, right, that that the quality of my experience, it wasn't the external stuff. It was the quality of the relationships of people that were around me as I experienced the highs and the lows. Yeah. So I find, you know, where where life you know, it is most dynamic. It always occurs with other, another person. Yep. Yeah. So I think, um, so L I L A. So people can go on the app store, I assume on our phones or Androids or whatever, and uh, get that app. And then they, yeah, we're, we're in beta. We're in beta. You know, we'll be in the app store in the next um, two months. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. It's coming along, man. The startup world. What are you learning from the startup world? Um. It, it's just another skill set. You know, I'm, uh, again, I feel like everything I've done up until this point has trained me and prepared me, um, to, to do this. And and so it's really, what I learned is paying attention, you know, that anything is really about paying attention. Yeah. And so I've had really great mentors, um, and, and bringing teamwork. I think that's really what I've learned in the startup world. It really is the quality of the team and how well we can, we can move. So with the, the deep thinking that you're at, I'm assuming meditation, you've got this, all your app. I mean, all the stuff that you're doing right now, man, what are you doing as a dad to your children to make sure they're on the right path for, you know, that quote unquote success in their life? Yeah. Just, just affirming, affirming them in every, every opportunity that I, that I, 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 I get, you know, yeah. I, I think the, the, the greatest gift I think we can give our kids is teaching them to, to 
earn the right to believe in themselves, you know? Yeah. Are you promoting sports at an early hell to your kids? Uh, my oldest is 21. My youngest is 11. I, I don't, I don't promote sports, but I'm a, it's in my blood. And so you know, my, <laughs> my young, right. Yeah, exactly. My, so my youngest is really, he's really into it. And so we really bond through me, te- you know, teaching him how to catch, right. Like I'm really big into skills. And so it's fun to see him take, you know, my instruction and, and really flourish and, you know, have, have his own style and flair. It's, it's cool. Does he realize who his dad was? No, he was, he's 11. So he was, so he was too young when I, when yeah. I retired, but so he's just annoyed. He's just annoyed because he didn't really see me play, but he's annoyed that all of his friends tell him that he's good only because I'm his dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that would get annoying. He's going to, yeah. he's going to blow through them one day here real quick. I'm sure. Uh, so last couple things, I know you're a busy man. What uh, can you tell us some of the greatest things, man, about playing football, whether it was at Texas, whether it was the NFL, some of those moments, man, whether you're playing your heroes, you got tackled by a hero, you blew through a hero. What, what are some of your favorite moments in football? You know, my favorite moments were always, um, being the underdog and, and feeling that moment where the team believes in, like starts to believe in themselves. It's one thing when one person, you see one person believe in themselves, but when you see it become contagious and a whole unit or group starts to believe in, there's, there's nothing like it, you know, it's funny. And I think it's what fans love, right. When they see the momentum shift in the game, right. But to actually be a part and to, to be a part of that, it's, there's nothing like it. That's going to be amazing. I'm going to ask you this one last question. I, I was fascinated by this. When I watched the Super Bowl this year, saw Patrick Mahomes walk up to Brady. He said, hey, man, you're the GOAT. You know, congrats on seven. And then Kelsey, the tight end for Kansas City Chiefs, he said, you know, they do their hug. And he said, somehow I knew you'd find a way to do it. Yeah. For me, when I heard that, I said they were defeated a week ago, right? Because in his mind, he thought – Tom Brady's going to figure out a way to beat us. And he did. Right. So I, as a football player, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, you know, honestly, I, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't necessarily say he was defeated then. I, I would say it was an awareness. It was an awareness, you know? Um, and sometimes, the, especially in team sports, you, and this is what I'm talking about, you realize the momentum of a team is what determines the outcome of the game. And yes, the leader can is the one that can can conduct and generate that that energy. And you could feel it when the Bucks got into the playoffs, right? Yeah. You expected them to win the first game, but everyone expected them to lose the second. And when they won that game, you could tell that the, the confidence that the, yeah. that that right the moment because the momentum shifts in a game, but it's more magical when it shifts in the season, right? Yeah. Right. And, and so you could just tell what they they had it, and you could tell the Chiefs and Mahomes realized he didn't. Maybe if he would have, you know, that week before where he realized it, if he could have said, okay, what can I do to try to address this and get the team's morale up to meet this, then yep. he could have done something about it. But, but I think it was an awareness. It was an awareness. Yep. Last yep. question. I promise. Where's the Heisman trophy? I sold the Heisman trophy. Did you so really? I did. I did. Yeah. I sure did. How yeah. was that? Was that emotional? Or are you like, nah, it wasn't. It, it wasn't, you know, it, it was, it was one of those moments in life, you know, and we, we talked about, we talked about mistakes, right. And, and I like the word failure because I looked up the etymology of the word failure and it means to stumble. Okay. It means to stumble. 
And so, you know, it was one of those moments. It was one of those moments in my life where I was at a crossroads. And um, at the end of my uh, NFL career, um, I, my financial advisor was a really close family friend. And about two years after I retired, I got a call from the IRS telling me um, that I hadn't paid taxes in four years. And, and I was like, wait a minute. I was like, wait a minute. And so I called my, my financial advisor, you know, and she started to like make up a story and I was like, uh Oh, you know, yeah. So over, the next couple of, over the next couple of months, I realized that all, you know, literally all of the money I had made, she had, she had been using it to live off of. And oh. so it was one of those moments where I was like, okay, you know, I, I thought I, you know, I thought I had $8 million in the bank and I realized that I don't have any. And so it was like, do I panic? And I realized so I was in my office and I like realized I looked around and I had art, you know, that I had collected. I had a whole bunch of trophies and I realized I'm fine. You know, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. And I was able to that alone is incredible to think most people would freak out. Yeah, I almost did. I mean, the thought crossed my mind. But I, again, the reality was I realized the reality of it was that I'm fine, right? That I haven't, I've built enough, you know, assets, resources that I, I can land on my feet and rebuild. Yep. That's incredible. Well, I could go on for another hour and a half with Ricky Williams, man, but I know you got things to do. So where can our listeners find more Ricky Williams? How can they reach out to you? Um, you know, I think that the, to really hear more of what I'm about and what I'm up to, check out my, uh, my podcast. It's Curious Questions uh, with Ricky Williams and anywhere you get your podcast. And um, Instagram, I'm, I got the Instagram handle at Williams. So easy to find there. That's a nice one to get. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that's, that's enough. Easy to find me those places. Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much, Ricky, for being on the circuit of success. It's been awesome having you and just such great deep thoughts. I was excited about it for uh, coming into today and I'm, I'm really excited we got to connect. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.